1: He gets criticized by the media all day, every day, by everyone else. And then guess what? Two weeks later, he's proven to be right. The president is expected to be tweeting on Thursday in response to Comey not to stay quiet. No, he didn't. In fact, he took out a, a, a Twitter gun and shot himself four times. Hello, and welcome to Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan. Trumpcast is the show about the father of the man. Eric Trump, who doesn't believe Democrats, are people. So I guess I'm out of the people department, but fortunately my first guest has a shot at being a person because she can't, by professional decree, have a public party affiliation. She's Maggie Haberman, White House correspondent for The New York Times and analyst for CNN. Maggie's Twitter profile picture says, Haber's gonna habe on it. And I am very excited to habe with Haberman today. In a minute, Maggie and I are going to plunge in without fear or favor to questions about Trump's new FBI director, Eric Trump's shady charitable doings, and Lara Trump, yet another Trump being groomed for greatness in the Trump empire. I've wanted to have Maggie on the show for ages to talk about everything, and we've got lots to talk about today. Maggie, thank you so much for being here. We've been wanting you on for so long.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So I want to say something briefly about the I was going to say the big news today, but who knows from scale with this administration about Christopher Wray, who's Trump's nominee for his new
0: FBI director. Uh, what, what do you know um, about him? He, you know, he's a a, a pretty respected choice. Uh, you know, I'd say the only thing that's gone as well for Trump was his selection of Neil Gorsuch for the Supreme Court in terms of the reception. He's a he's a veteran um, of the Justice Department. Um, people in the department feel good about him. He was Chris Christie's Bridgegate lawyer. Uh, he's known for uh, in- believing in imposing order and not sort of running off and popping off. Stylistically, he's not—he's um, not the president's soulmate, and that's probably not a bad thing.
1: Um, since your uh, wheelhouse has, for better or worse, maybe for your sins, been the Trump family, you speak to Trumps, you write about Trumps, you habe on Trumps as your. <laughs> <laughs> um as your uh, your I don't know if your Twitter profile still says Haber's gonna habe.
0: I think uh, it, I think that is what it is right now. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I want you to habe on Trumps a little bit. I'm gonna go through some <laughs> of the family tree. Um and okay. I want to begin kind of far from the um far from the the central tree with Donald Trump's daughter in law, wife to Eric Trump, who we'll get to in a minute. She's Lara Trump, not as well known as the others, but she might be a comer and she's in the news today. Tell us about Lara Trump.
0: Sure. She's actually uh, was a pretty effective surrogate for the president at the end of the campaign, especially um, comes from North Carolina, um, extremely personable, uh, was at a Republican National Committee strategy session about two weeks ago uh, with Don Jr. I think Eric came along essentially. Um, but but she's uh, she's she's very she's very well liked. And I think that, you know, if, if he does run for reelection, uh, you can expect she's going to be a big part of it. She's also pregnant, so I'm I you know, I, I'm not sure um how much time she's gonna have um over the next couple of months. I think she's due this fall. Well, Ivanka seems to do
1: a pretty good job getting back into business after um after brisk maternity leave. So maybe uh her sister-in-law will do the same. How can she you was on of, the road I think she was on the road eight days after
0: she had her, her child, Ivanka, if I'm remembering you know, correctly.
1: I don't know if I was alone in this, but I kept thinking um that she and Chelsea Clinton were more or less um Postpartum during the uh, campaigns, and uh, I think no, I think
0: that I think no, I think that is. Well, I don't know if they were postpartum, but they, but they, but they did have babies during the campaign, and went back to it. Um, so, how can
1: we talk about Lara Trump without talking about her husband, Eric Trump, also in the news today? Slightly closer to topic A. Have you met Eric Trump? Is he? A I nice, have nice guy. Did he went, bring a dead cheetah?
0: I went hunting with him. Actually, oh, naturally. in Iowa. Um, in uh, January of 2015, during the caucuses, you're he's not big, joking. Big, I'm not. I have a. I have an orange hunting vest on my desk to prove it. I wrote a whole story about it for the Times. He's a. He's a very nice guy. He uh, is the person who I think was the least used to the media onslaught when this all started. I think that he uh, is still adjusting to it. Sometimes, you know, in the last two days, he has faced new questions about the charitable foundation that he started, which has indeed done uh, a lot of good work uh, in terms of directing money to St. Jude's Children's Hospital, which deals with um, uh, juvenile cancers. Uh, But there was a question about a a Forbes story about that the Trump organization somehow uh, received payments. uh, And he had indicated previously that was not the case. And so that is uh, I think, an asterisk that's going to have to be addressed. You know, maybe more than an
1: asterisk. I mean, I, you know, you said initially that you thought some of the charges against Eric Trump, and I'm surprised to hear you say he's a nice guy. He's sort of public enemy, moral public enemy number one today. Um, well, but, he's, I yeah. don't think
0: he's world public enemy number one. I think we have to differentiate. Well, I said, I said moral, like, yes. moral oh, public say. enemy. I say, um, I
1: say. But, you, you know, you initially found some of the charges against, charges that he had misused the funds of this charitable foundation. You found some of that baseless, you said on Twitter. Based, and then- on our
0: repor- based on our reporting. And I realized that this upset liberals enormously because I follow liberal Twitter very closely. But uh, based on our reporting, it was. And then I had forgotten about the Holt thing. He tweeted it, that Eric had said that there was absolutely no, no, I think it was no profit was his word that went to the Trump organization last year. And uh, that is in contrast to what he had said to us in our own reporting. So now here's why it's it's not maybe more than an asterisk. I mean, not being straightforward is not being straightforward. The vast majority of that money did go there. Their spends were quite low. Those are still true. But there is, for whatever reason, this constant sort of, you know, there is always this, this element of what does the Trump organization gain on almost every Trump-related venture, uh, and this is now going through this.
1: So, you know, you've reviewed in The New York Times the would-be feminist treatise by um, by maybe the most visible Trump scion, Ivanka Trump. And it's hard to mention her without mentioning her husband. He's a regular preoccupation on Trumpcast, the presidential advisor and first son-in-law, Jared Kushner. You talk to Jared and Ivanka, you know Jared and Ivanka. So tell us once and for all about Jared and Ivanka.
0: Um, I think that uh, the way that I... First encountered them during the campaign is very different than the role they're playing now. I think that we have seen Jared Kushner in particular take on a pretty sizable portfolio. I think that they are both encountering the reality that that everybody can can sort of project that they are attempting to make changes or influence in ways or, or uh, you know large and small. You know, she has obviously become a flashpoint for criticism, uh, particularly over uh, issues like defunding Planned Parenthood. Um, which the administration has moved forward with, uh, supporting. Uh, it doesn't mean it will happen when the budget is done, but that's where things stand now. And they are discovering, as everybody else discovers, that, um, there is no secret Trump whisperer. There is no person who makes him do something that he doesn't want to do. Um, the, you know, the, the Paris Climate Accord would be a great example of that. You know, this is, this was framed as Bannon's winning over Ivanka Trump. I and mean, then I think that Doug Pruitt, the EPA, uh, administrator's person at the most, Impact in that discussion, frankly, and also President was never (laughs) likely to leave it in the first place. There are a couple of, um, there are a lot of areas where he doesn't have fixed views. Uh, as we have seen, he can be quite malleable. Uh, but there are a couple and, um, you know, he has very, very fixed sort of id like impulses on trade. And I think the Paris Climate Accord fell into that in his mind. So I don't think it was ever really going to happen. Um, Leaving
1: aside the narrative that Jared and and Ivanka Trump might be um, Trump whispers or might be moderating forces, what about their own use and abuse of their offices? I mean, why haven't they fully divested?
0: Um, I think that it's um, I think that it's a little too um, not evidence based for me as a reporter to say their their use and abuse. Mm. Um, but I certainly think that the fact that Neither of them has given up control of their holdings and their companies is problematic, uh, you know, in, in terms of every every norm that we have come to experience in this country for high office is that people try to do everything they can to avoid even the appearance of a conflict of interest. And they have done some of what they can over time and hardly the most of what they can to deal with conflicts. And, uh, you know, the, the the biggest issue right now for Jared Kushner is, not just the potential conflicts of interest in terms of business and policy, but in terms of how he handled contacts that he had with the Russian ambassador uh, and with a a Russian banker close to Vladimir Putin named Sergei Gorkov. Mm -hmm. Um, The answer that we at the Times were given back in March about why he met with him was very different than what it has evolved to two months later. At the time, it was, you know, not sure why this meeting took place. Now it's that... uh, This meeting is taking place because uh, he was looking for somebody who was close to Putin. And uh, that's a a significant thing to not share the first time. You think it's possible because
1: we've obviously during the during the campaigns and, you know, the last couple of years, we spent a lot of time hand-wringing about the far right or about ideologues. But it's possible that Jared and Ivanka are not ideologues. It seems quite likely they're not, that they'd probably even be Democrats left to their own devices. um, And Mm -hmm. that's speculative. But they. I think, wasn't Ivanka, I think Ivanka literally was a Democrat, wasn't she? Oh, what? Did she register as a Democrat? Okay. Well, I, I'm pretty
0: sure she was. Yeah. yeah, I mean, not
1: now, but I think she was then. We'll flag that for fact checking, but it, that's coming from Maggie Haberman, so it's pretty trustworthy. Um, we, um, something in their opportunism or their sort of profiting monetarily from the presidency and from their proximity to the president seems in some ways almost more sinister. More sinister than 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 just ideology, than Bannonism, than, you know, Flynnism. You know, just now that they're really in place. I mean, I don't know. Do, do you think that they are, there's something to be concerned with here? That I don't know.
0: I think that there is always something to be concerned with when you have people who have private business interests who are impacting public policy. I think that you have an unprecedented, it's not just related to them. Yeah. Unprecedented number of business people and wealthy people and corporate executives um, in this administration. We obviously have seen wealthy people in administrations before. I think one thing that I think is is not helping critics of the administration, if I may be candid, is that I think that there is a tendency to treat uh, everything about this administration with equal shock level as if nothing Mm. has ever happened before. Yeah. Um, You know, the and I'll go back to the, the the Eric Trump Foundation issue for one. There were a lot of legitimate criticisms about the Clinton Foundation, and mm-hmm. what the Clinton Foundation did in dealing with it was say it's a charity comma period unquote, and that was their response for everything that mm-hmm. was not an acceptable response then Eric Trump saying one thing and saying something different is not an acceptable response now. it doesn't mean that both have not done good work, and his proximity to his father should not be a disqualifier of that uh, any more than Chelsea Clinton should be held accountable for things that her parents do. I do think that there is a tendency to think that to treat, you know, the Trumps in a a bit of a different way. You know, there there were the way that the Clintons dealt with their foundation, both when she was secretary of state, when she became um, a candidate, and when it looked like she was going to be the winner, also raised questions. This is a different level. We are on a different order of magnitude. This man has a hotel with his name on it down the street. Um, Ivanka has a brand that deals with issues that, you know, overlay with a lot of the policy pieces she's working on. Uh, Jared Kushner has not divested. Jared Kushner uh, has a, a, an un- unprecedentedly large portfolio for somebody who has literally never been in government. And those, to me, are bigger concerns than, I think, where, where someone's ideology might be. Do you know plainly where Steve Bannon stands in a way that you might not with Jared Kushner, who I think has seemed more ideologically flexible and much more like his father-in-law absolutely hmm. um but i don't know that that's necessarily the stick. um
1: that is inc- all incredibly helpful and, and illuminating maggie thank you so much for being here
0: it is my pleasure thanks for having me and that's
1: our show for today but before we go are you following us on Twitter? Come on. To keep up with the latest from Trumpcast, be sure to follow our handle, RealTrumpCast. That's at RealTrumpCast. See, we're working off the whole real Donald Trump thing. It's just it's so good, you know. Are you a new listener to the show or you want to catch up on old episodes? We've heard that people have gone back to our archive and listened to old episodes just to hear how the Trump story has unspooled over the past year. It's it's really a thing to do this. So listen to those shows and subscribe to Trumpcast. Just go to slate.com slash Trumpcast. That's slate.com slash Trumpcast. The show is produced by Jason DeLeon, and we'll be back later this week with more Trumpcast. I'm Virginia Heffernan.